Amen, amen. It's good to be in God's house tonight. What a great song that was. Thank you, Hamilton family. That was just such a blessing. Um, it always moves my spirit, man, um, to see a family up here. And, and think about it, church, to, to take how many kids to get all together? I lost count for the Hamilton family. Seven kids. I mean, I thought four was a lot. Seven kids. And uh, to move to the Bronx, to give your life uh, to serve the Lord and your family. Man, you guys are heroes, really. Right, church? These are heroes, and uh, what a blessing to just be with you guys. And, uh, and thank you for that awesome song. Thank you, Northside Baptist Church. It's Friday night, okay? Friday nights are for parties, right? So let's have a party at Northside Baptist Church. Let's be excited. I hope you're glad to be here today. I'm glad, even after driving five hours with four boys in the back of a minivan. Uh, I'm excited to be here, and they got pizza in their, in their bodies. They're ready to rock and roll, and uh, I'm excited as well. So try to keep up, all right? I talk fast. He said 25. I told him 25-35, okay? Don't be a... Listen, I know it's Friday, but we still can't lie in church, all right? Come on. And uh, no, I'm just glad to be here. Thank you to Northside. Thank you for this weekend. Thank you for the hotel room, the gift baskets inside. Um, it's just a huge blessing to us. We have not been on deputation, or this isn't deputation, but we haven't been really out um, in several years, really. We just, we've been on the Cape, and once you get locked into church planning, you really have a hard time leaving. And, uh, but when Dan called me, when Pastor Dan called me, um, I said, you know, there is not many other churches supporting churches of ours, and we have a, a, a good number of supporting churches but I don't know if there's a supporting church that has done more for our church than Northside Baptist Church, okay? I really mean that. That's not just, you know, I'm here, now I'm going to say that now. I mean that. When we had our fundraiser for the church renovations, you guys really blew me away. I mean, I, I think it was around $8,000. I did not expect that. What a blessing, um, you're going to see a slideshow tomorrow um, of kind of our church and the three years and exciting, and you're going to see the building, and you're going to see how awesome it looks, and it wouldn't look that way had it not been for Northside Baptist Church. So thank you uh, from the Savini family, from, our, from Coastline. We thank you um, for what you've done for us and, um, and what you're doing even still with your prayers, with your monthly support. It means so much to us. I love Dan. He's a good friend of mine. We met several years back. I don't even remember where it was. Um, but you guys were one of our last deputation meetings before we moved to the Cape. I never forget, we were driving back from Vermont down to the Cape where we were staying with my in-laws. Still didn't have a house, didn't have anywhere to live. We have been, I think I probably said while I was here, I had a, this deputation line I would say at every meeting. I'd say, you know, you people ask me where I'm going to live on the Cape. And, and I say, I don't know, but I can't wait to see what God does. And that was my line. And after saying that like 40 times... I was kind of like, well, Lord, I've said this enough. Now you actually got to show me where we're going to move because it's like we're coming down to the nitty-gritty here. And that was in August of 19. Our plans, what we felt we were supposed to do was plant the church in the fall of 19 and still did not have a place to live. And I love my in-laws. I don't want to live with them, right? I think we can all speak to that in a way. Um, and I'm... T- <laughs> Thank you for that one back there sleeping on the couch tonight, probably. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, but, but we didn't have a place. I remember looking at Zillow on the drive home and being like, well, that's too expensive. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. Looking for rentals. And it was probably just literally after you guys praying for us and everybody praying for us and us praying, uh, probably a week later, we got a phone call from my mother-in-law, um, the, the old lady she took care of, 
had a nurse that was taking care of another guy in West Yarmouth that was, you know, his house was going up for rent. He was going to a nursing home and they needed to find renters. And we said, well, we can check it out. We went and saw it. It was an amazing price. We were the first, never even hit the market or, or Zillow or anything like that. And we got to start renting that immediately just a week later. God had a church give us $5,000 the same Sunday that we were going to be looking at the house. So I had my first and last right there. Amazing. And uh, I honestly, Northside has such a special place in my heart for more than just the fact that you guys have been a blessing to us, but just for that meeting, that being the one where was one of our last ones before we moved. And, um, and I just, I'm just so glad to be here um, and be here for this conference. The theme is Jesus only. If you love Jesus, would you say amen? amen. All right, so I know you're awake tonight. Can you do this with me? Can we, we sang that great song, I Love to Tell the Story. Oh, I love that, that old hymn. We sing a lot of songs at, at our church. We sing a lot of old songs, a lot of new songs. And, uh, but there's something special about those hymns. Can you sing this song with me? I, I, I'm pretty sure you'll know it. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ears. The sweetest name on earth. Now think about what you're singing. Let's sing it. Oh, how I love Jesus. Sing it out, church. Oh, how I love it. So how I love Jesus because He first loved me. How many have been singing that song your whole life, right? Since you were a kid, me too. I love that. I'm only 33. So John chapter 6 tonight. Let's jump right in the message. John chapter 6. I'm so glad that the theme is um, Jesus only. Uh, one of the first sermon series that we started at the church, um, and really the first sermon series that I have ever done verse by verse through a book of the Bible, um, was on the book of John, which is all about Jesus. And so I got to, we've been in the book of John with our church for almost, I don't know if this is how, how long your series take, I've been in John for over a year now. <laughs> Like over a year. And it's just there's so much there. And uh, so I could, I was like, man, I've, I've talked about every message that I've preached from the Gospel of John points back to Jesus. And can I just say this? Every situation in your life, every trial, every victory points back to Jesus in your life working. So in John 6, the first 15 verses is the familiar story of the feeding of the 5,000, which is just a beautiful story of God provision. If you have, a, if you, I don't know if, if you've ever heard of the show, The Chosen, great show. I, I've been blessed by it. They do an awesome job kind of showing that story, giving you something to see in your imagination. The next uh, uh, verses 16 through 21, uh, immediately following that miracle are, is the storm on the sea where Jesus walks on the water and then he calms the sea. Another amazing story of the supernatural power of Jesus Christ, which by the way, if you don't know this, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God, who was God, came to earth to die for our sins uh, because we couldn't get to heaven on our own. Do you believe that, church? This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's all we need. That's all that's really uh, the most important thing for any church plant, right, is that we're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus here, we see his supernatural power in the first 21 verses through two different miracles. And then we get to the next 
10 verses or so, which we're going to read in just a moment together. Can we pray first? And I'll ask you, as I pray, if you could pray in your heart, pray for me, um, that God would give me the words to say, to give me power. Uh, I want to help you tonight. Um, I want to help you. I'm so used to preaching to like 20 brand new believers that I haven't preached in a, a, an established church setting in a while. Isn't it something? It's different. I'm kind of intimidated a little bit here. You guys are scaring me here, all right? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. But pray for me and pray for your own heart. I'll say this, man. There's something really challenging about new believers, and there's something really beautiful about new believers. Something awesome that they're just so hungry, um, they're so ready, and to, to tell a story like the feeding of 5,000, which all of us are like, oh yeah, for them to be like, really? Like, whoa, like really, that's awesome. I, 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 I've been that Christian before that, is, that has been saved for so long and in church so long that church just becomes more habitual than anything, and we got to get out of that. We really do. We have to... Maybe you've been saved 50 years. Man, the gospel of Jesus Christ should still excite you just as much as the day you got saved. And if it doesn't, ask God to help your heart. So as I pray, would you pray as well for God to just bless this conference in a, in a special way, to use the preachers that will be preaching, the music and everything, and that God will do a work in your heart. I'm not sure what the, I'm assuming that the goal for any missions conference is not just to stir our heart for the gospel for our communities, but also to stir our hearts for, for the gospel getting out to the far ends of the earth, whether it be in the Bronx or on Cape Cod, or whether it be through the missions giving of Northside Baptist Church. Ask God to do something in you this week. Maybe you're brand new saved. Maybe you've only been coming for like a few months. You're like, I don't know. Listen, just ask God to do something in your heart. Would you do that tonight? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for being so good to us. Bless this message. Bless your word. Give me power. Give me um, passion, Lord. You know my heart. Uh, for the gospel and for you, Lord. So often, God, I know I can be selfish. Lord, so often I can, I can, Lord, forget about your purpose for me and focus on my own things. God, please, Lord, I, I know that I'm called of you. I know that I'm called to preach, so use me tonight. Speak through me. And God, I, I, I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, tonight that you just blow through this room. Speak to the hearts of every individual here. Maybe there's someone here tonight that's not saved, that doesn't know you. Help them to understand the gospel, and receive you tonight. It is all about you. What a great theme. Jesus only. It's all about you. You're all that really matters. And God, stir our hearts tonight in your precious name. Amen. Have you ever been looking for something important, and all the while it's right there in front of you? Okay, uh, maybe, maybe I'm the only idiot in the room tonight. But how many of you have ever had your sunglasses, okay, and it's bright, and you're like, where are my stinking sunglasses? Like, I'm, well, like, where are they? Like, I can't see anything, and the whole time they're right there. Maybe it's been your keys, uh, that, you know, you're looking for your keys, and they're in your pocket. I've done this. I've been on the phone with someone, being like, uh, like, getting ready to leave, like, I gotta find my phone. Like, talk to my wife on the phone, like, I gotta find my phone before I leave for the house. And she's like, hey, honey, <laughs> you're on it, you know? And uh, so, so I've been there. Maybe it's the keys in the car while you're driving. For me, with four crazy boys, I've been, especially if you go to like Disney or anywhere really, and I'm like, Charlie, where are you? Charlie, Charlie. And he's like right there because he's, he's shorter than I am and I'm just missing him the whole time. In the next passage in John 6, we, the first 21 verses we already mentioned, but in the next part of John 6, these people here are searching for something. 
You're going to see that they follow Jesus. They get in boats and follow him because they're trying to find him. They're searching for something. But they're missing what's right in front of them. Look at verse 22 of John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 22. Okay, this was right after um, Jesus was on walking on the water. And in verse 21, it says they welcomed him into the ship. And then the ship was immediately at land. And just an amazing story of the supernatural power of Jesus Christ. Verse 22, it says, The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save the one whereunto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone, verse 23, howbeit, there came other boats from Tiberias, nigh into the place where they did eat bread. After the Lord had given thanks, they're talking about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 in verse 23. Verse 24, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping. They also got into ships and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. Verse 25, and when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they came unto him, they said unto him, Rabbi, whence uh, camest thou hither. They said, where have you been? How did you get here? What happened? These people, what, they, they got on boats. They were like, we've got to see Jesus. After the feeding of the 5,000, people were just amazed. Wouldn't you be amazed if you were there and suddenly saw these uh, five loaves and two fishes multiplied for over 5,000 people? These people wanted some more of that. They wanted to see more miracles. I want to show you some observations tonight from this passage that I hope will help you that you can maybe relate to, and maybe God can use these observations that we see in His Word to challenge us to uh, uh, a greater walk with Him and a greater understanding of God. Observation number one from this passage, what it says, uh, we, we see these people. Number one, people look for Jesus for all types of reasons. Observation number one, people look for Jesus for all types of reasons. These people in this passage they weren't going to find Jesus. They weren't searching everywhere for Jesus and getting into ships and going across and finding him. They weren't doing all that so that he could save their soul and deliver them from their own sinful selves. No, they wanted to see the magic show. They wanted to see the miracles. Hey, they, they were, maybe were still hungry. They didn't get enough loaves and fishes at the last miracle. These people were not seeking Jesus uh, for a pure reason. And the same can be said for people of today. Many people, and as a church planner, I can attest to this, and, and I bet you can as well, Ben, is that, and as a pastor too, that people look for Jesus for all types of reasons. Some people, when their health is deteriorating, deteriorating or they're having health issues, they're like, I need to go to a church so I can find someone that can pray over me and heal me or things like that. Some people, find their finances, I have had so many phone calls of people calling, needing some help financially, so they call a church thinking that, okay, they'll help. Uh, some people uh, search for Jesus, and they maybe even become ministry leaders or pastors for popularity. Oh my goodness, there's so many prosperity-type preachers out there today, people out there preaching uh, uh, what they would call a, a gospel of sorts, but really they're only in it for the show, for the popularity, for the money, for fill-in-the-blank. Some people search for Jesus looking for answers. Some people uh, look, look for Jesus for someone to blame. Many times I've talked to people that just, you know, they don't want to come to, they want nothing to do with God because, because it's his fault that I'm facing this or that. People look for Jesus for all types of reasons. So since I'm here with you tonight, Northside Baptist Church, I'll ask you the question that on a Friday night, 
when you could be doing a myriad of other things, what are you doing here? What are you even doing here? On Sunday mornings, I could ask the same crowd the same question. What really are you doing here? Why, what is the purpose of you being at church, of getting a family together, getting in a car and coming? Is it to make your life better? Some people go to church and say, I didn't make my life better. Or is it to worship God? Is it, is it to feel good about yourself? I know so many people, and I've been that person, that church attendance and being in the house of God makes them feel better about themselves. So that the rest of the week they can kind of do what they want, kind of live the way they want. But because they go to church on Sunday, they feel better about themselves. Well, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sundays, man. I, every Sunday I'm there. Listen, I... I have sought out Jesus for selfish reasons. I have prayed prideful prayers. I have asked God in the, in, in the past, and I try to guard myself so much from it now, Dan. But I have prayed in the past for God to bless a meeting or bless a youth conference that I was able to lead or preach at or lead singing at and ask God to bless it. And really, my main motive underneath it all was so that I would look good, so that I would feel good about myself. So that my insecurities would be uh, fulfilled. I've sought out Jesus for selfish reasons. So church, I, I want you to ask yourself tonight, as we move on to the next point, ask yourself, next time you get in the car to come to church, what am I doing? Why am I going to church? Is it just, has it become such a habit in life that I don't recognize? that I am, I, I mean, I love this church. I love where it's located. I love, you know, pulling in and it's kind of like a dip and then it comes up and it's just like this city that is set on a hill, you know, like this beautiful picture of the gospel up there in the hill. You get to come here, Northside, in St. Albans. I didn't even know there was a St. Albans, Vermont. You're so close to Canada. I mean, I'm surprised there's not more French-speaking people here, you know? But, but guess what? You're here. Maybe some of you do speak French. I think Savini's part French, by the way, so wee oui, wee, oui, okay? Um, <laughs> I can be a real idiot sometimes, so. Um, but think about it, church, you get to be here. Some of you have probably been in this church for decades. What an amazing blessing that so often you might forget. New believers, new members here, what a blessing. Ask yourself next time on Sunday morning, say, what am, I, what am I doing? And remember, I get to go to the house of God with my brothers and sisters in Christ to worship the King of Kings who gave me the breath to breathe today. Man, let's, let's, let's make sure our motives are pure. People look for Jesus for all types of reasons. And I'm glad that even though I have sought Jesus out for selfish reasons, He has shown me grace through it all. Verse 26, let's move along. Verse 26, after um, they said, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth under everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Jesus Calls these people out. He said, you're not here to, to see who I say I am. You're here because you just got filled up on miracle bread. 
You're not looking for him for the right reason. He calls him out. And that's the second observation is this. Jesus always tells the truth even when it hurts. Jesus always tells the truth even when it hurts. And that's what he does to these people that came and said, Rabbi, which is a term of like, like they're really following him. They're not really following him. They're following the smell of that loaves and fishes. They're following the magic show. And he calls them out and says, you don't need to, you shouldn't be searching for that. You should be searching for me. You should be looking for what I can do, not for the bread which fills your stomachs, but for the bread of life, which can give you eternal life. He tells the truth even when it hurts. I have a friend of mine, my best friend in the whole world, Stephen Russ, my good buddy, met in college. Um, oh my goodness, 07. I'm that old right now. Wow, okay. Back in college. And I remember Steve was my best buddy. We're just two dumb college students. We're in church one, one Sunday evening. And uh, at the church we were at, uh, where the college was, there was um, kind of side sections. And there was a row, and then the row behind who was higher up. So he was sitting behind me. I was sitting with my, my, my girlfriend at the time. And uh, he leaned down, kind of like talking to me right here. Da, 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 and I'm talking back to him. And my buddy Steve, I guess like any real friend, says, bro. You need a tic-tac, man. You need a tic-tac. Right? I heard someone say, aw, yeah, that was mean, wasn't it? It could have been nicer. Okay? And I'll tell you, church, I don't know what came over me in that moment. We were very close, best friends. He said, bro, get a mint. And I popped him right in the face. So beware. If I have bad breath, church, don't tell me about it. Just roll a mint over to me, all right? I, and I did it. And Dan, I was like, bro. See, and he sat there like this. I said, Steve, I'm like looking around to see if the pastor saw me do that or something like that. I'm like, bro, I'm so sorry. Slap me, slap me. He's like, no, and just sat back. And he never lets me forget that, by the way. But what did he do? He told me uh, uh, the hard truth. You need a mint, bro. And can I just say this? I'm glad that Jesus calls me out. Well, you know, I, I'm sorry, I take that back. It takes time for me to appreciate that. Because when it, right when it happens, when the Spirit of God says, hey, you're being a jerk. When the Spirit of God says, hey, you were kind of uh, impatient with your children right there. Or when he says, hey, you know what? You preached that and you said that in your message and you were kind of pointing that towards a specific person instead of just preaching it. It takes time for me to appreciate the Spirit of God speaking that hard truth to me. But when I finally do, I do appreciate it. And that's part of the work of God in our lives, Christian, tonight. It's not just encouragement. And thank God for encouragement from the Spirit of God, right? It's not just uh, uh, the doctrines of our beliefs, which we need to know, which we need to understand, not just believe it because that's what we always have, but why we believe what we believe and what the scriptures say. That's important, but that's not the only uh, part of the Spirit's work. No, it's the cold, hard truth that we need to hear from the Spirit of God, that we need to read in the Word of God that tells us who we really are. Church, I am a sinner. You are a sinner. For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Hey, church, I lack grace sometimes. And the Spirit reminds me. And He reminds you. I need to hear those things. Uh, I can be impatient. I'm often inconsiderate and selfish. I struggle oftentimes with faith. And the Spirit will tell me these things. And the scriptures will remind me of these things as I read the stories uh, in the Old Testament and some of the stories in the New Testament of people that struggled with faith and doubt and things like that. And it's easy to point fingers and tell them like, oh wait, that's me. Jesus always tells the truth even when it hurts. But the beauty of God's honesty is that there's more to it. 
All those things about me that I just said uh, are true. They may be true. And those things are true about all of us. But with Jesus Christ involved, there's a, a dot, dot, dot with each one. Yes, I'm a sinner. But dot, 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 God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hey, you know what? Yes, I do often lack grace. But his grace is sufficient for me and through me. He will give me the grace to pass on to others. I, yes, I am impatient, but he is not only patient with me, but he gives me the patient. Can I just say this? Every good thing we do in our lives, the glory goes to God. Every good deed, the glory goes to God. And every bad deed, it's our fault. You'd think that that would be like, oh, that's kind of a unfair. No, it's not. I love that. I will gladly give God the glory for every good thing in my life, for every good deed in my life, for every blessing that I'm able to pass on to somebody else, to God be the glory. And yes, every time I'm a jerk or impatient or rude, that's on me. And I'm good with that because you know why? He gives grace to move forward. He gives grace. I'm often inconsiderate, but he gives compassion. I struggle with faith, yes, but what does Jesus do? He brings me into situations that build my faith. Verse 28, he said I had to be done in 25 minutes. No. Verse 28, after Jesus called them out, then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. So these people again come to, to Jesus and they say, okay, well, well, we want to do the works of God. We want to do the miracles, a.k.a. we're still hungry. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if we could go home and take those five loaves and two fishes in our cupboards and make them last the whole year? Hey, we want to do the works of God. That's what these people are saying. And Jesus says this to him in verse 29. He says, this is the work of God. He said, this is what God wants you to do. Okay, people, like, listen up here. Come on. He said, this is what God wants you to do. Believe on him whom he has sent, which is him, Jesus Christ. He says, you need to believe on me. That's the work you're supposed to be doing. Observation number three. God doesn't call you to accomplish great things. He calls you to believe on Jesus, the one who accomplishes great things. You hear that, church? God doesn't call you to accomplish great things. He calls you to believe on Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to rely on Jesus, to depend on Jesus, the one who accomplishes great things. So instead of killing yourself trying to make everything happen, and rolling over everyone in the process, which so many of us often do, God is calling you to a different way. Instead of, instead of me constantly striving and trying and killing myself, just trying to make this church grow, to get more people in, i got to do something, i got to figure this out. And all the while, I'm rolling over my wife and my kids, and I'm pushing everybody out of the way. I'm like a steamroller. God is calling me, and he's calling you to a different way. So, well, I'm not a church planner. Okay, Christian. Okay, business owner. Okay, uh, senior saint that's retired. It doesn't have to just be for church planners and pastors. We're not talking about that. We're talking about just life in general where we are trying to figure out every little situation and problem in our life on our own, in our strength, in our mental fortitude, uh, with our wallets, with our savings accounts. We, we, we can, I got it covered, God. I can figure it out. And we, we're trying so hard, and God is calling us to a different way. 
to pause, to breathe, to rest, to believe. Christians are some of the most stressed out people I've ever met. Pastors are some of the most, in church planners, right? We can be some of the most stressed out people. And with good motives too, man. Good intentions. I have no doubt that this room is full of good intentions. And good motives. And we're getting there the wrong way. We're getting there through anxiety and stress. And we're just, we, I, I can figure this out. God is calling us to, to pause and to believe. By the way, that doesn't mean we don't, does that mean we don't work hard? No, I'm not saying that at all. Does that mean we sit on our hands? Of course not. Listen, if I, if, if, Ben, if you've been sitting on your hands the last five years, it would be no church. Okay, if I just sat on my hands and said, well, I'm just waiting for God to do something on the cape. I'm just waiting, then nothing would happen. I understand that. I'm not saying that church. What I'm saying is it means that our hard work, listen, our steps forward are all rooted in a heart that believes on the one who gives us strength to work hard. Because by the way, business owner, construction worker, whatever you may be, listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you wouldn't be able to do your job had it not been for the strength given to you by a holy God. Young mother tonight, you need the strength of God in your life to make it, to take care of those little babies. You need Him. It's not that we don't work hard. It's just that we rely on the one who gives us the strength to work hard, the wisdom to make the right choices, the guidance to move forward. It's all Him. It's, it's Jesus only. We are dependent on Him, not ourselves. Listen, in this past year of us trying to find a house and trying to find a place to live, it's not like I didn't look around and say, well, I'm just trusting the Lord to, to do it. And just didn't do anything about it and just sat around. No, I, I did my part. I said, God, guide me. Help me make the right phone calls. Help me look at the right websites. Help me not talk to the right people. And God did work it out. But it doesn't mean I didn't do anything. No. Does, does your hard work and does our hard work show that we don't have faith in God? No, it it's, it's works together. But may we not rely only on ourselves and our own strength to do what God's calling us to do. Because our steps toward our goal are based upon a faith in God and what he has called us to do. When I was looking for a house and making phone calls and all that stuff, it wasn't, well, I got this, God, I don't need your help. No, I was like, Lord, please help me because you called me to the Cape. Because you called me to pastor and plant this church. You brought us here. So I'm trusting you. I'm going to keep looking. Guide me, lead me, show me, provide for us, Jehovah Jireh, help us. It was with a heart that said, God, you've called us here, knowing that whatever happens, and by the way, we're talking about a week ago I found this house church. A month away from needing to find a place for my, my family of six on the Cape with nothing. Average house price is about five fifty right now. Can't afford that. Okay? Listen, we had to believe and know that whatever happens, he is good. He is always only good. Can I say this to you tonight, church? When life doesn't make sense, he's good. When things fall apart, he's good. When we look back at our life, and wonder, what happened? What went wrong? He's good. When we feel the pain of our own mistakes and wonder if there's any hope, He's good. He's always only good. Last few verses and last observation. If we have a piano player, they can come at this time and begin to quietly play if you'd like. You can just start whenever you get there quietly, and I'm going to finish up and we'll be done, church. Thank you for sticking with me. Verse number 30. They said, therefore, unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? 
What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Church, just like us sometimes, these people missed it. He kept saying like, no, you don't. And they said, well, give us that bread that will never hunger again. Oh, that's really cool. And he, he's just, they, weren't, they were missing it. Don't miss it tonight like they did. He says, I'm the bread of life. You don't need those loaves and fishes that I multiplied. You need me, is what he was saying. Jesus only. So the last observation is very simple. And it's simply, Jesus satisfies. That's what he's trying to tell these people in this passage. I am what you need. You don't need the power and the miracles. and the, You need me. Jesus satisfies every hunger. Some of us hunger for fame and popularity. He satisfies every hunger, every thirst, every desire, every want, every need, every fear, every anxiety, every sorrow, every loss, every pain, every tear that's shed, every heartache. He is enough and He satisfies, church. He's enough. If you're searching now, if you're walking through life searching, some of you are searching, looking for some kind of purpose for your life, some kind of meaning. Hey, you may come to Northside every single Sunday. You may have a full-time job and a family, but deep inside your heart, there's emptiness. There's a longing for something more. And Jesus is what you are searching for. I promise you that. No addiction will fill what He can only fill. It's Him. He is all that you need. If you think you have it all together, He'll be there when you finally realize that you need Him. He loves you. And church, He's enough for you today. Our heads are bowed.